السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والعدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله أولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك لعبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another lesson with Quranic progression Inshallah ta'ala today we're going to continue with our tafsir of Surah Al-Inshiqaq and last week we covered the verses of the surah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was speaking about the people that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah will be given their record of deeds in their right hand the Ashab Al-Yameen as they're known elsewhere in the Quran and Allah Azza wa Jalla refers to them sometimes as we know by that title that they are the people of the right hand and sometimes just by their description that they will be the ones who will receive their record of deeds in their right hand and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned as we discussed last week that those are the people to whom Allah azza wa will give an easy accounting they will have an easy reckoning and we mentioned the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha that the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that what that refers to the easy accounting is al-arb that they're presented with their record of deeds, that there's no reason to go into any discussion, back and forth, debating, arguing over the merits of that record or the lack thereof. And so that's the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, Manukish al-hasab halak, whoever has their accounting in a debated format, in a argumentative format, then those are the people that will be punished or they will be destroyed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the people of Iman, speaks about the people of righteousness, the people of taqwa, the people who upheld the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fulfilled the obligations that Allah azza wa jal placed upon them throughout their lives in the dunya. And as a result, Allah azza wa jal will bless them and honor them and shower his mercy upon them on that day by forgiving them for whatever minor or smaller sins that they had because of their tawbah to Allah azza wa jal and the good deeds that they performed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grace them with his mercy to enter them into Jannah. And that's similar to the verse that we have in which Allah Azza wa Jal says, In tajtanibu kaba'ira ma tunhuna an, nukaffir ankum sayyatikum wa nudkhilkum mudkhalan kareema. If you refrain from the major sins, Allah Azza wa Jal says, if you refrain from the major sins, then we will expiate for you everything else and we will enter you into the noble abode. And so Allah Azza wa Jal tells us that if you stay away from shirk, you stay away from innovation, you stay away from the major sins and obviously major sins not only includes what you do but leaving off those obligations that you're not meant to leave off so for example someone who doesn't pay zakah committing a major sin someone doesn't offer salah committing a major sin so sometimes it's leaving things sometimes it's doing things but if you stay away from them then Allah will forgive you for the smaller sins or the minor sins and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to here that these are the people that Allah has favored they will have an easy reckoning. And as a result, they will return to their family, to their people in Jannah, and they will return to them happy and pleased and joyous. And we said that this was, uh, according to some of the scholars of Tafsir, the believers of their families that will meet them in Jannah. That was one position among some of the scholars of Tafsir, the believers from amongst them, as we mentioned those verses, the Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentioned the other verses in the Quran, وَمَنْ صَلَحَ مِنْ آبَائِهِمْ وَأَزْوَاجِهِمْ وَذُرِّيَّاتِهِمْ You went alongside those from amongst your families, from your ancestors, or from your from your 
uh, parents and from your spouses and from your children who are also righteous. Or that verse in Surah At-Tur, Those who believe and their offspring follows them in Iman, in faith, in righteousness. And so therefore, that's one position amongst the scholars of Tafsir. And others said that it refers to that which Allah Azza wa Jal will give to the believers on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. From, for example, the Hurru'een or from the servants, the boy servants, the Wildan that are referred to and mentioned in Surah Al-Insan. These are the people that form the household of an individual in Jannah. So either way, they will go back to those people, their people, whoever they are, members of their household or members of their family, and they will go back in a joyous, re- uh, will have with them a joyous reunion. They will go back while pleased with that which Allah Azza wa has given to them. And we mentioned also that some of the scholars of tafsir uh, were of the position that this, or these verses and the verses that we already mentioned, but are also going to come in the next set of verses, inshallah ta'ala, we will take today, and that is the people who receive the record of deeds in their left hand, were primarily speaking about two brothers from the time of the Prophet one of them from the companions, and one of them from the major companions, and one of them from the leaders of Quraysh and from the enemies of Islam, Abu Salamah and Al-Aswad, Ibn Abd al-Asad. So Abu Salamah being the companion, the early Muslim, the first husband of the mother of the believers, Ummu Salamah, and the milk-fostered brother of the Prophet and we spoke, I think, some at some length about him last week. We mentioned some of the uh, virtues that he had. And he died, passed away in the lifetime of the Prophet And his brother Al-Aswad, it is said, died on the Battle of Uhud. And he was from the leaders of his tribe or his clan, Banu Makhzum, alongside Abu Jahl and those types of people. And he was from the enemies of Islam and he died upon other than Islam. And so these two brothers, one was a believer, a companion, someone close to the Prophet and the other was a nobleman, a chieftain of his people, but an enemy to Islam, an enemy of the Prophet So in today's lesson, inshallah ta'ala, we continue from verse number 10. And this time we speak about the people who will be given their record on the other side. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ وَرَاءَ ظَهْرِهِ but whoever is given his record from behind his back. And that's the translation of Professor Abdul Harim, Sahih International, but as for he who is given his record behind his back. And Mufti Taqi, as for the one whose book of deeds will be given to him from his backside. And Muhsin Khan, but whoever or whosoever is given his record behind his back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, as you know, uh, speaks about the people of the right, that they will always receive their record in their right hand. And then we have the people who are the people of Ash-Shimal. Elsewhere in the Quran, they are known as Ashabu Ash-Shimal, like in Surah Al-Waqi'ah. The people of Shimal, the people of the left-hand side. And they are described in two ways in terms of the way that they receive their records of deeds. The first is, as we mentioned, that they will receive it on their left hand. And we already mentioned before, I think either the last episode or the episode before, uh, how in our religion, everything which is noble, which is pious, which is, which is praiseworthy, we give preference to the right hand to do those things with and anything which is unpraiseworthy or unbecoming or unbefitting or is impure or has some filth uh, attributed to it or connected to it, then we give preference to the left hand. And that is why, as you know, we cleanse ourselves after relieving ourselves with the left hand. And so therefore, when it comes to the left, that's what you use in that which is less befitting. 
Um, as for the right hand, it is used for that which is praiseworthy. So that's one way. That's one way in which it is described. The second way is as it is described here in Surah Al-Inshiqaq. And that is that they will receive their, uh, their record from behind their back. And as uh, we will come to see, there is no difference between the two or there is no contradiction between the two. Because Mujahid Taala said that what it means is that they will receive their uh, they will receive their um, record in their left hands from behind their back. In their left hand from behind their back. And then Imam Tabari Taala said, as for the one who is given his record on that day from behind his back, and that is because his right hand will be chained to his neck. Meaning, as we know, and these are, as you can see now, the scholars of tafsir are bringing the different various verses of the Qur'an, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the people of Jahannam and the how fire. And from those descriptions is that Allah azza wa jal will have them tied, that they will be chained and bound. And so some of the scholars said that it will be their right hand that will be bound to their neck so that they can't move it and they will be limited in terms of their, in the, their, their mobility, their movement. And so therefore they won't be able to receive anything with their right hand because they won't be able to stretch out their right hand in order to take something. And their left hand will be placed behind their back. Their left hand will be placed behind their back. Imam al-Tabari says so they will receive that record in their left hand from behind their back. And that is what Allah Azza wa Jal Imam Tabari says, that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes describes them as receiving their record in their left hand, sometimes describes them as receiving their record from behind their back, as is the case here in Surah Al-Inshiqaq. And as we said, there's no contradiction between the two because that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do. They will have it from behind their back in their left hands. And that is what the teacher of our teacher, Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, also said when he was looking at the similar verses. So he says, for example, that Allah Azza wa Jal here says that he, they will receive their record from behind their backs. And we have other verses in which Allah Azza wa Jal says that they will receive their records in their left hands, like the verse in Surah Al-Haqah. And as for the one who's given their record of deeds in their left hand. And he says, and there is no contradiction between the two, and it is very apparent what the meaning is. He says, and that is that the disbeliever will have their right hand chained and bounded to their neck, and it will be their right, their left hand that will be coming from their back or behind their back, and that is where they will receive their record of good deeds. Al-Baqa'i uh, says, and, and I thought that this was a nice uh, statement, of his al-Baqa'i has a book in which he uh, a tafsir or like a tafsir but in which uh, he mentions uh, munasabat he mentions different things in terms of how they're related to one another mentions like relationships and and uh, so for example some of the things that he will mention um, is uh, how certain certain surahs are connected to one another how certain verses and passages are connected to one another so what's the What's the relationship between this passage and the next one that comes after it? When Allah Azza wa Jal, for example, changes uh, the subject or the theme between uh, different verses in a single surah, like Surah Al-Baqarah, goes through many different themes. What's the connection between those themes? What's the connection between 
the surah that comes before and the surah that comes after with the surah that you're in. So if you're, for example, in Surah Ali Imran, what's his connection to Al-Baqarah before it? What's his connection to Al-Nisa after it? And this is an, an, uh, an area that scholars look into. Um, it's not something you will find classically many books that were written on, or even many scholars speaking about it at a great length of detail. You have odd statements here and there, but it wasn't something which they put a great deal of emphasis on. And that's simply because, firstly, it's not tafsir per se, and secondly, it's more to do with contemplation. It's more to do with, with ta'amul and tadabbur. It's more to do with your contemplation of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and trying to make connections between certain things uh, that aren't really necessarily openly mentioned. And the scholars of tafsir, the classical scholars of tafsir, their main purpose and their primary concern was to make sure that people understood the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what Allah azza wa placed therein in terms of guidance and in terms of of the light and mercy that Allah Azza wa has given to us in the, in the Quran. That was their primary concern. And as for these other things that we call tadabburat or contemplations and personal reflections, it's not something which they wrote on because it is by its very nature ijtihadi. It's something which each person may differ over. I may see, for example, one contemplation, someone else may come up with a different contemplation. And so long as they are within the confines of tafsir, within the statements of what the scholars mentioned and so on, doesn't go and do something left of field or something which is which is shag or peculiar or strange, something which wasn't mentioned by the scholars with tafsir concerning those verses, then inshallah ta'ala it's okay. But because by the very nature of it being something personal, you don't find that the scholars, especially amongst the setup, that they would put their personal contemplations down or that they would narrate them to people or uh, you know, speak to them concerning and what have you. So an example of this would be, just so that we can understand what we're referring to, um, when uh, the statement or the, the narration of Umar that he would often cry as is mentioned in some of the books of Quran and Fadail Quran and the virtues of the Quran he would often cry when reciting certain verses from Surah Yusuf and in particular when Yaqub is told that his second son has now also been detained also been detained so when Yusuf when his brothers come to him and Bin Yamin or Benjamin his youngest brother also comes he does that thing where he pretends that he's stolen something or taken something without permission and then they discover it in his bag and so he says he's mine now he has to stay with me because of the crime that he committed and so the brothers have to travel back to their father and tell them that you've lost both sons now Allah says those verses in the surah that Allah says that Yaqub said, I only complained of my grief and sorrow to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. It is said that yeah, Umar radiallahu anhu would recite these verses in salah, like for example in Fajr, and it would often make him cry, to the extent that people could hear his sobbing and his crying from at the back of the masjid. And in some narrations, the people would cry because of the crying of Umar. He was so emotional with these verses that it would make them also cry because of these verses. The contemplation point here, though, isn't that. That's obviously something which is well known, even from the Prophet ﷺ, that he would cry at certain verses of the Qur'an or sometimes when he's recited the Qur'an. That's not the issue here. The issue here is, why these verses for Umar? So that's an issue of contemplation. Now, people can come up with different reasons as to why that impacted him so much because it seems to be something which happened on more than one occasion. Allah knows best. So, for example, some people will say, because just as Yaqub lost the two closest, most beloved of people to him in the form of his two sons, Yusuf and Bin Yamin, 
Then likewise, Umar عنه, was reminded by reciting these verses, the loss of the two closest, most beloved people to him. And that was the Prophet and Abu Bakr That's a contemplation. You don't find that in a hadith, you don't find that in a narration, you don't find that in a statement, to the best of my knowledge, of any of the scholars having said that from the companions or from the tabi'een or from the early generations. But that's something which people later inferred themselves. And it's possible, Allah knows best. You, no one can stand here and say, no, that, that didn't happen, that's not the reason, you don't know. It's possible, Allah knows best. And you know, at one level, maybe it even makes some sense. But you can't be sure in saying, yes, that's the reason, that's the cause. And you can't be sure in saying it's not the cause. And maybe there's other reasons. Maybe it's just something which reminded him of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he should only uh, mention his grief and sorrow to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's possible that there's numerous reasons and different verses impact different people in different ways as we know. That's called a contemplation. And the scholars don't write that stuff down like in the early generations of Islam because that's something which is personal. It may be correct, it may not be correct. And so they didn't like to put stuff down which is just very personal. It may not even be correct. It may have completely got the wrong end of the stick. But there's no harm in it, it's just a personal reflection that someone has. You're not teaching it as tafsir, you're not teaching it as an issue of sunnah, you're not seeing that it's part of Islam, you're not seeing that's how someone else should behave, or that those verses should impact them in the same way. No, it's just a personal reflection. So that's why they wouldn't write it down. But then scholars later on came, uh, especially around the 6th, 7th, 8th century, and they started to write on this more and more. And even when I say more and more, it's not like tafsir. Yeah, maybe like a dozen books on this topic that have been written from probably the 6th, 7th century onwards, as opposed to the dozens and dozens that have been written in tafsir. Uh, and, and even in these books of contemplations, it wasn't just my own personal reflections, but they would try to make a connection using the verses, using some of the principles of Islam, using, for example, some of the hadith that are mentioned concerning certain things. That's what they would do. Um, and so this is uh, this is something which you will find that certain books do. And from those books is the book of Al-Baqa'i. It's called Nadm al-Durar. Um, and it's a book that speaks about this, this, these types of topics and, they go, and goes into it in some detail. So he mentions in his book, and I just thought I don't normally quote from them for that reason, because it's not strictly speaking tafsir. But sometimes it's just uh, nice to mention some of what they, uh, of what they say. Uh, and he says that the difference between the two, so one is the one who receives their record of, of deeds in their right hand and is presented to them in front of them, as opposed to the one who receives it from behind their back in their left hand. He says the first one does so and receives it in that way, in the right hand, in front of them, because it's something which is an issue of honor. And it's something which is presented with love. And it's something which is presented as an issue of being, uh, as an issue of joy, or as a as as a statement of joy and happiness, and that's that this person gets that record. Not only is it something which is done in front of people to show the honor that this person is bestowed with, but that person themselves, as we mentioned before, will call out and he will say, "Ha u kitabiya," or as Allah Azza mentions in the verse that we covered last week, "Wajanqalibu ila ahli masrura." He will rush to his family, joyous and telling them what he has received. And so Allah Azza wa honors them in that way. Just as, for example, if you were to give a gift to someone or a prize or an award or a certificate, you would shake their hand, you would face them, you would place it, you place that award or that trophy or that medal over them or hand it to them in front of them because of the honor that's included therein. 
As for receiving something behind your back, in your left hand, where you can't see what it is that you're receiving, it's not something which is done usually as a, as, you know, that's not the normal way to honor someone or to show their worth or to show that they've achieved something or to show that they've they've become successful in something. It's usually done, as Al-Baqa'i says, when people want to be treacherous and deceitful. You normally pass things under the table or behind someone's back when it's not something which is praiseworthy. It's not just something which is good. You don't want anyone to know about it. You don't want anyone to hear uh, what you've received or what you've done. Rather, you want to be hidden away from the prying eyes of people. You want to be swallowed up by the earth. You don't want anyone to know. And that's what Allah Azza wa Jal says in those verses uh, in Surah Al-Haqah, that that person, the one who receives the record in their left hand and behind their back, يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ They will say, woe to me if I had never received, if only I had never received this record. So they will want to free themselves from it. They will want to turn away from it. They will want to distance themselves from that book. And so he says that Allah Azza wa Jal, and we've mentioned this before, that when it comes to Yawmul Qiyamah, for the people of Jannah, despite the terrors of that day and the difficulty of that day and the long standing of that day, for the believers at every point, at every juncture, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will honor them. And Allah Azza wa Jal will show mercy towards them. And Allah Azza wa Jal will show to them His kindness, His kindness and His gentleness. And they will, but honor, they will be honored at every single place at every single moment, whether it's in the way that they are clothed or in the way that they are addressed or in the way that they are moved from one place to another or the fact that they can go and drink on that day from the pond of the Prophet wasallam. and as we mentioned, or maybe we didn't mention before, I don't remember here, but in some classes, in my Snad courses, I think we've done narrations that show, and it's the position of a number of the scholars, that every Prophet, and there are hadith to that extent, although they are not the most authentic of narrations, but there are hadith to the extent that every Prophet will have his own hawd, his own pond. Not only the Prophet ﷺ, every Prophet is given that for the believers of their own ummah, for their nations and the believers that come from them. So either way, the believers on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, whoever they are, whichever ummah they're from, Allah will honor them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes their affairs easy for them. And that's why on that day, they are the people who have contentment. They're the ones who have solace. They're the ones who have tranquility. They're the ones who are given reassurance. They're the ones who are given safety. They're the ones that the angels come and escort them. They're the ones who are shaded on that day. They're the ones who are given the shade of Allah's throne or the shade of the sadaqah or the shade of the surahs that they read, Al-Baqarah and Al-Imran and all of those other narrations. So the point is that Allah Azza wa honors them on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Whereas when you look at, and as you'll see now in, in these verses that we're covering in today's episode, in today's lesson, uh, when it comes to the people who receive their record of deeds in their left hand or behind their backs, the complete opposite. No honor, no solace, no contentment, no, no, not even the words with which they are addressed are words of honor. No one, no, no good comes to them on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So even in something as simple as giving them their record of deeds, giving them their record of deeds, in the dunya, you would just give it to them in the same way that you gave it to someone who's successful. Even someone who's failed, you just give it to them in the same way. But on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they are not given that honor. Even that small measure isn't afforded to them. Because everything for them, from the moment that they will be resurrected on Yawm Al-Qiyamah until the moment that they will enter their final dwelling in the Hawfaim, Allah Azza wa Jal keep us safe from that. Every single moment, they will be humiliated. Every single moment they will be dishonored. Every single moment Allah Azza wa Jal will 
cast them down and make them lowly to show them that this is what they have achieved or this is what they will now receive as a result of the way that they lived their lives and the choices that they made because of their lack of iman, because of their lack of obedience to Allah, because of their lack of... And so every single moment and every single stage, they have no one that will come and help them. In fact, the very opposite. Every time they look for a refuge, for protection, for an intercessor, for a helper, for a friend, they won't have anyone that they will find amongst them. Allah Azza wa Jal in the Quran, He speaks for example, as inshallah ta'ala we will see when we come to Surah Abasa, that everyone will flee from everyone else on that day, your father, your mother, your wife, your husband, your children, everyone flees from everyone else. And Allah Azza wa Jal says that everyone will forsake everyone else. But what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how does He make the exception? إِلَّا الْمُتَّقِينَ الْأَخِلَّاءُ يَوْمَئِذٍ بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْضٍ عَدُوٌ إِلَّا الْمُتَّقِينَ Even the closest of friends, the Khalil is someone who is your best friend, the closest of people to you. Sometimes your Khalil, and, and perhaps the reason why the Khilla are used here as opposed to family members, is because for certain people, and Allah knows best, but certain people, their friends, are closer to them than their family members. Certain people have friends that they would tell things to, their secrets, their issues, their worries, their concerns, that they would never tell their own parents, their own family members, their own spouses, their own children. And so that person who's closest to you, closer to you than anyone, that person, all of you will be enemies one to another unless you have taqwa between you. Unless that relationship was built upon taqwa. Unless between family members, as we mentioned in that verse last week, except the righteous from your parents and your spouses and your children. These are the only. So even when it comes to that type of connection, that type of, of friendship, that type of, of, of relationship, it is only the one that is based upon Iman and Taqwa that will remain on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Everything else dissipates, everything else vanishes, everything else severs and is broken. Nothing else remains on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And that is why it is so important, this issue of Tawheed and Iman and asking Allah Azza wa for steadfastness. It's not just something which is small or something which is, which is insignificant. It is the difference between salvation and damnation, the difference between success and failure on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so this is what Al-Baqa'i is saying, that even in the manner in which they receive it, their record of deeds is like the way a thief or a spy or someone who's a, uh, you know, someone who's, who's committed a great treachery or some type of deceit, that's the way that they're receiving their books as well. It's not even any honor in the way that they are, that they are made to carry the book of their deeds or the record of their deeds. And uh, some of the narrations in the books of Tafsir mention how this will be done in terms of how do they receive their record of deeds. So we said that the right hand is tied up to their neck. How do they receive their record of deeds in their left hand from behind their back? And you will see, for example, there's a statement that's attributed to Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah. And he says in this narration, you'll find some of these narrations mentioned, for example, in Al-Qurtubi. Al-Qurtubi mentions it in his Tafsir you'll find, for example, uh, I think maybe Al-Baghawi or Al-Jawzi. Some of these books of Tafsir mention these narrations attributed to some of the Salaf. So Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, he says, that on that day the non-believer will come, يَمُدُّ يَدَهُ يُمْنَى لِيَأْخُذَ كِتَابَهُ He will outstretch his right hand. So this is on the narration that doesn't say that he will be chained at this moment in time. But he stretches out his right hand in order to receive his book, his record of deeds, because that's what he wants, that's what he would prefer. 
but the angel will 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 withhold. يمينة, and he will sever his right, and therefore he will have nothing left to take it with, except from his left hand from behind his back. And Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. And as we know, on Yom Qiyamah, for the disbelievers or the non-believers, even if they are punished in some way, or part of their body is removed, or uh, they're, they're punished in some way that will mean that certain parts of their body uh, become burnt up or they melt away, or it's all it's all renewed for them over and over again, as is mentioned in certain verses in the Quran, as we know from a number of the narrations of the Sunnah. And Qatada and Muqatil said something similar, uh, not exactly the same, but something similar. Qatada being from the scholars of the Tabi'in, Muqatil being the famous scholar of Tafsir, and that is that they said that the angels will come and they will strip or, or break a person's bones. They will break a person's bones and they will take their hand, their left hand, and place it so that it comes out from the back of their body. As opposed to be being attached to the way that it's normally attached, it will be removed from here, from the shoulder, and their chest and their bones will be opened up and it will be driven through so that it comes out from the rear so that they may take their book in that way. So it seems that these narrations are not just the normal way that your left hand will be placed behind your back. That's how you receive your your right, your your your, your uh, or those people receive their record of deeds. But actually, that it will be a physical removal and reinsertion of the body, uh, or that limb of the body, so that they can receive their record of deeds in that way. And these are some of the narrations that you will find in that way. But the majority of the scholars don't really go to that level of depth, or don't really go. Uh, to that level of detail in terms of how they receive the record of deeds in their left hand behind their back, they just mentioned that they will be given it, given, given it will be given to them by in their left hand behind their back, and that seems that Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best to show or to mean that it's just that their hands are placed behind their back, and that's how they are receiving it, as opposed to any type of physical, um, you know, physical punishment that is that is attributed to them at that point. And Allah Azza wa knows best, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, but it seems that Allah Azza wa knows best that the punishment begins after this. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though the people of the fire are humiliated and they suffer from the terrors of that day, so for example, the, 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 the sweat that they're drowning in, a lack of shade, all of those things that they're suffering from, but it's not the punishment in terms of actual punishment in that way. That's something which is done once the judgment is passed upon them. Once their record of deeds is given to them, and once they have gone through that process and those motions, and Allah Azza wa Jal then commands that they're taken into the fire. And that is when their punishment begins. But Allah Azza wa Jal knows best as possible. And as we said, these are some of the narrations that you will find. Uh, these are some of the narrations that you will find in some of the books of Tafsir. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about these people. The people of the right hand, as we said, when they receive their record of deeds in their right hand, Allah Azza wa said concerning them, They will then have an easy reckoning. Here Allah Azza wa after mentioning now the people who receive their record of deeds from behind their back and in their left hand, what is their result? What is the end result for them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they will cry out for destruction. They will cry out for destruction. And that's the translation of, of Professor Abdul Harim. Uh, Sahih International is saying he will cry out for destruction. Mufti Taqi, he will pray for, pray for death. 
and Muhsin Khan, he will invoke for his destruction. And no doubt destruction and death, you know, like pretty much meaning the same thing here because destruction mean, meaning that they want to die. Uh, Ibn Abbas said that that's the, what the word thubur means. Thubur means al-wail, which is destruction. And al-Dahaq said that they will call out for their destruction. And uh, Humayd ibn Hilal said that it was mentioned to us that a person on Yawm al-Qiyamah will be held for their accounting. And they will be said to people and they will be called out by their name, Ya Fulan ibn Fulan, or so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, Ahlumma ila al-Hisab, come to your accounting. Until that person will say, uh, is there not someone else who will go instead? Ama yuradu ghayri. Is there not someone else who will come and go or go and take that accounting instead? Because of how difficult that, that, that will be, just the accounting. So the people of the fire, when they receive their record of deeds in their left hand behind their back, they will call for their destruction. They will call for their destruction because at that moment they will realize that for them there will be eternity in the fire. And by having eternity in the fire, what that means then is that they will just be in perpetual agony, perpetual torment, perpetual punishment, perpetual burning in the fire. So they would rather die, they would rather be destroyed, they would rather end themselves than have to go through that process. So they will at that moment simply call for their own destruction. But we know, as Allah mentions elsewhere in the Quran, that they will make that call a number of times. Because Allah tells us, for example, that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, uh, when the people are in the fire, Allah tells us in the Quran that they will call upon Malik, who is the gatekeeper or the guardian of the fire, the angel that is entrusted with the fire. And they will say, O Malik, let your Lord finish us off. Let your Lord destroy us. Let him finish us off. And on that day, they will be told, but rather you will remain therein forever. You're staying, you have nowhere else to go. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't kill those people or destroy them. And so Allah will keep them in that perpetual punishment. And this is an issue as you uh, know when you come across, it's one of those smaller issues, those furu' those smaller issues in, in, the, in, the, in the study of Aqeedah, where the scholars differed as to uh, whether the people of the fire will remain for eternity or whether they will remain for a great number of years and then eventually be destroyed. They differed over this issue. Some of the scholars, even from amongst the early scholars, said, no, it is only for a limited amount of time, and then they will be destroyed. But the position of the majority, if I remember correctly, and the stronger position, as you can see from all of these different verses and numerous ahadith, uh, because Allah often in the Quran says, خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا abada, They will remain therein for all eternity. Uh, as is mentioned in some of the ahadith, they will remain therein forever for eternity, is that this the fire will continue and the people of the fire will continue to be punished forever and ever. There is no end to that torment. It is an eternity of, of punishment and of destruction. And so therefore this continues for them. And so they will call out for their destruction. They would rather die. They would rather be finished off then have to suffer what it is that they are suffering. And this is the very uh, thing that they used to joke about in the dunya, remember, when they used to say to their prophets, uh, when we die, mitna wa kunna wa when we die and we become dust and bones, will we be resurrected? Will anyone bring us back to life? They would, they would ridicule this, and they would joke about it, that they would 
be able to be resurrected, let alone stay in another realm or another uh, another life, have another life that is even longer than the life of the dunya. But on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they will do the opposite. They will call for destruction instead. They will want, because now they know that resurrection is true. Now they've seen resurrection with their own eyes. They know and believe in resurrection because it happened, it happened to them and it's something which they witnessed and they know the reality now. Now they will call instead for their destruction. But on that day, Allah Azza wa Jal will not respond to that destruction as we uh, mentioned in that verse. إِنَّكُمْ مَاكِثُونَ But rather they will be told, you will remain therein forever. And that's why Imam Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that these people who receive their record of deeds in their left hand or behind their back, yunadi bilhalak, they will call upon themselves with destruction. And that is by saying, and this is them invoking upon themselves destruction. Meaning, if only I was destroyed. If only I was destroyed. And so this is the way that they will call. And this is what Al-Farra mentioned also in his, in his, uh, in his, in his tafsir in which he mentioned the, the, the unfamiliar words of the Qur'an as we, as we spoke about some weeks ago. Gharib Al-Qur'an, unfamiliar words in the Qur'an. Thubura, what does the word Thubur mean? It means destruction. And how do you call? They will call for their destruction or cry out for destruction. They will say, meaning if only I was destroyed. If only I was destroyed. And Wail and Thubur have a very similar meaning. And Ibn Qutaybah also in his book in Gharib al-Quran also something similar. He said the word Thubur means halaka, it means destruction, it means death. And this is the same thing that the uh, that Al-Qurtubi also mentioned uh, Al-Halaq meaning Thubur means Waylah and Halaq and Abu Hayyan said that the word Thubur in his tafsir he said that the word Thubur refers to everything which is disliked everything which is disliked it is a term that is used to refer to all types of harm all types of issues that are disliked all types of destruction and that's the word that they will use to call upon meaning that we don't care how we end we don't mind how it happens. We don't mind how we are destroyed. We just want to be destroyed. However it happens, they just want it to end, but it will never end. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions something similar to this in verses in Surah Al-Furqan. In Surah Al-Furqan. Allah Azza wa Jal says in verses 13 and 14 in Surah Al-Furqan, وَإِذَا أُلْقُوا مِنْهَا مَكَانًا ضَيِّقًا مُقَرَّنِينَ دَعُوا هُنَالِكَ ثُبُورًا when they will be cast therein in a narrow, restricted place, chained and bound, they will call upon themselves with destruction. They will invoke upon themselves destruction. So when these people will be shaitan, iblis, others, when they will be placed with the where they will be placed in the fire, and they will be restricted and bound, and they will be in a restricted area because it's not like some people joke, Nasrullah, may Allah keep us safe. Some people joke and mock the hellfire and say, oh, at least I'll be there with my friends. At least I'll be there with, I don't know, such and such, such a personality or such and such a famous person or, or that singer or that actor. If we're all going to the fire, at least we'll go there and party. No, that's not the way that the fire will be. You won't have like the people of Jannah will have that they can visit one another, a marketplace where they will gather, couches that they will recline upon and speak to one another. That's not the way. There's no visitation in, 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 in prison, in the dunya. And the fire is many, many times worse than that. 
prison, you wouldn't be given those types of luxuries for the most part, depending on you know, if you were in a maximum security prison. And the fire of hell is, 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 is nowhere near anything in terms of comparison. And so the people of the fire, each one is restricted to themselves in a place that is so tight, so bound therein, that their body will crush within itself, that they will be completely encompassed by the fire. Their cell is almost like a prison cell, but one made of fire that they're constantly being burned in. They will have no one else that they can converse to, no one to speak with, no one to sit with, no one to even mention their own sorrows to, because each person will be going through a similar level of torment. And so Allah says that they will be in a restricted place, muqarranin, bound, and then they will call upon themselves with destruction. And then Allah says, لا On this day, don't call for one destruction, call for many destructions. Call for many destructions, meaning don't call for death just once, be called for it many times because that is how severe the situation will be, that they won't just ask once, oh Allah, destroy us, or call upon themselves or invoke upon themselves destruction, but it will be a continuous thing over and over and over again, but it will not be responded to. And that's why it's mentioned in some of the hadith, uh, such as the narration in the Muslim of Imam Ahmad, the hadith of Anas ibn Manik, an, that the first person to be thrown in the fire or to be clothed from the fire will be Iblis. And it will be placed upon him first, and then it will be placed upon those who followed him uh, afterwards. And he will be the first one to call out, Ya And they will also call out something similar, Maybe, may we be destroyed until they are made to stand on the precipice of the fire. And that is when it will be said to them, don't call for just one destruction because that's just the clothing of the fire that's been placed upon you. And that was enough for you to call for destruction. Call for many forms of destruction because now you will go into the fire. Meaning that there are many forms of punishment in the fire. It's not just the clothing, it's the food, it's the drink. It's everything that has been placed therein. All of that will be from that which they will suffer from. We'll take one more verse, inshallah ta'ala, before we conclude today. Uh, verse number 12. In verse number 12, Allah, 12, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, He will burn in the blazing fire. And that's the translation of Professor Abdul Harim and Sahih International and enter to burn in a blaze, Mufti Thaqi, and will enter the blazing fire. And Muhsin Khan, and he shall enter a blazing fire and be made to taste its burning. The, this verse, uh, in verse number 12, Allah says, We have two readings, we have two qiraat, two ways that this verse is read. The first way is the one that we just uh, read, and that is, The way that we normally read, and that's the reading of Asim, and Hamza, and Khalaf, and Ya'qub, and Abu Ja'far, and Abu Amr. Six of the ten Qurra read it the way that we read it. Yasla Sa'ira. The other way to read it, which is read by the remaining four Qurra, who are Nafi' and Ibn Kathir and Ibn Amir and Al Kisai, they read it Wayu Salla Sa'ira. Wayu Salla Sa'ira. So the Sad has a Fatha on it, the Ya before it has a Dhamma, and the Lam has a Shadda with a Fatha. Wayu Salla. Sa'ira. This is the reading, as we said, of Nafi' ibn Kathir, ibn Amir, and Al-Kisai. Ibn Atiyah, when he was mentioning the difference, differences in meaning, um, 
because I think as we mentioned, I'm pretty sure we mentioned this before, the Qiraat, uh, we often have in the books of Tafsir those that focus on the Qiraat, such as for example Abu Hayyan, sometimes Ibn Aqiyya, Ibn Ashur, Al-Qurtubi at times, uh, Al-Tabari himself. Uh, they, what they do is when they mention the different Qiraat, they do what we call Tawjih Al-Qiraat. They give a Tafsir, or the difference in Tafsir according to that particular reading, according, according to that particular Qiraat. So it may be just a simple or small difference, it may be a bigger difference. And so therefore that both of them, both of them, uh, or whatever the difference may be, big or small, is something which is usually mentioned. This is called Tawjih Al-Qiraat. It's, it's mentioning how that particular Qira'ah impacts the tafsir or changes the tafsir or the specific meaning uh, of that particular change in wording in the Qira'at. So Ibn Atiyah says that when you salah, the reading with the shadda and the dhamma and, and the ya is ala al-mubalagha. It is to show emphasis. It is to show that this will be something that they will constantly happen. He will burn in the blazing fire. And that may be, and Allah knows best why uh, Muhsin Khan in his translation said he will be made to enter blazing fire and be made to taste its burning. Like it's kind of like he, he doubles the meaning, right? He doubles the meaning as opposed to just burning in the blazing fire. And that's because there's further emphasis. Mubalagha means to go to an extreme in something or to emphasize it further. Ibn Ashur, rahimullah ta'ala, he said, that the reading of the four, وَيُصَلَّى, which is the reading of Nafi' ibn Kathir, ibn Amir and Al-Kisai, with the shadda and, and, and the lamb, is mudaaf, salahu إِذَا أَحْرَقَهُ It is when someone is burned, someone is placed there, therein and made to burn. So that's the one with the shadda. So they will be made to burn in the fire, meaning that this will be their constant punishment. In the in uh, in the akhirah, that they will be placed in the fire and they will constantly be burned therein. And as for the reading of the majority, the six of the ten, which is the the way that we read wa sa'ira, he said that that is idha at the first moment of touching the fire, at the first moment of touching the fire. So as soon as the fire touches them, wa sa'ira they will be burned in the fire. That's the initial touching of the fire. And then as they continuously burn thereafter, sa'ira. That's why Ibn Atiyah said it's for Mubalagha, to show that it's not just a one-off, but that it will continue thereafter. And that also then marries up very nicely with the narration that we mentioned of the Muslim Imam Ahmed, the narration of Anas radiallahu an, that the people will call for destruction the first time that the fire touches them. They're clothed from the fire, the first time that touches them, that will be enough for them to call upon themselves for destruction. And then they will be told, no, rather there's much more left. There's much more for you to taste and for you to endure and for you to feel in the fire. And that's when they will be entered therein. And so it continues, it increases upon them. And they will therefore call upon, as, as is mentioned in those verses in Surah Al-Furqan, Thuburan Kathira, for many destructions upon themselves. And so this is the difference that Ibn Ashur, Rahimullah Ta'ala, mentions between the two. And Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he also said something similar. And he mentioned the different qira'at, and he said, and obviously Imam al-Tabari comes from a time when the qira'at uh, weren't as formulated as we have now, because he's a much earlier scholar than Ibn Atiyah and, and Ibn Ashur and so on. So he has a different way in the way that he, that the way that he uh, formulates these, these types of issues. 
and, and words them. But anyway, the meaning is one and the same. And that is that he says that the reading of the four, which is where you sa'ira, is that Allah Azza wa Jal will burn them after burning them. يُصَلِّيهِمْ تَصْلِيَةً بَعْدَ تَصْلِيَةً وَإِنْضَاجَ بَعْدَ إِنْضَاجَ That Allah Azza wa Jal will burn them after burning them. That Allah Azza wa Jal will cause them to be roasted therein after being roasted therein. Meaning that it's a continuous thing as Allah Azza wa Jal mentions elsewhere in the Quran. He says, كُلَّمَا نَضِجَتْ جُرُودُهُمْ بَدَّلْنَاهُمْ جُرُودًا غَيْرَهَا Every time their skins melt and burn off, then we will replace them with new skin so that they can continue العذاب, that they may continue to taste that torment and punishment and he says and also uh, from it is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ثُمَّ الْجَحِيمَ صَلُّوهُ that they will then be placed in the fire to burn for eternity so he says that's the meaning of وَيُصَلَّى the reading of the four قرآ. the reading of the six he says which is the majority وَيَصْلَى سَعِيرَ is that they will be made to fall therein they will be made to fall therein. Meaning, and it seems and it seems to be similar in terms of meaning that it's the first time that they will be made, the initial throwing into the fire. And again, I think that's why, because Muhsin Khan often refers to Al-Tabari as he mentions in Ibn Kathir in his uh, translation, that he shall enter a blazing fire, which is the Yasla, and made to taste its constant burning, or its burning, which is the Wayusalla. And as I mentioned before, uh, you know, like with Mahsin Khan, even though it's not always the easiest to read and the easiest to follow, he, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, did go to some level of, of, of effort in terms of looking at the tafsirs of At-Tabari and Kathir and the way that they understood these verses. And that's why sometimes his translation is slightly longer. It's not just the uh, necessarily the, the, the wording that's used, but the greater meaning and context that is sometimes mentioned as well. That is what Imam At-Tabari Rahimahullah Ta'ala does here with the differences between the two wordings or the two qira'at and he says that Allah Azza wa Jal for the yasla sa'ira this is also something mentioned in the Quran for example when Allah Azza wa Jal says yaslawnaha in the Quran or he says illa man huwa salil jaheem so the word sala yas, uh, sala uh, comes from that it comes from from that and that is the first time that a person is made to enter as opposed to yusalla which is the constant burning thereafter and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best okay inshallah ta'ala I think that's a good place for us to stop for this week uh, and then inshallah ta'ala next week we'll continue because Allah Azza wa Jal will continue speaking about the the people who received their record of deeds in their left hand or behind their back there are still like two or three verses concerning them so inshallah ta'ala will cover them ta'ala next week so if there's any questions inshallah we'll take some questions otherwise we'll, we'll conclude for today If there's no questions, inshallah. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.